This episode is brought to you by MSW Nutrition and Lounge, a partner in the How Do You Health Network. For decades, I've struggled with various gut and autoimmune issues, which have forced me to alter my life and career. Within the last year, though, after undergoing numerous blood tests, I've discovered that a majority of my health problems, they've been linked to vitamin and mineral deficiencies. Because I am now able to see what I was deficient in, I can also supplement against those deficiencies with the proper daily vitamins and minerals, as well as receive weekly IVs that are specific to my needs. This has changed the game for me. Today, not only do I feel like a completely new person, my ability to focus in life and business has increased, my athletic performance is better now than when I was a collegiate athlete, and most importantly, the relationship I have with myself, as well as the people I care about most, they are all thriving, and I'd love for you to feel the same way. So no matter where you are at in your health journey, whether it is scheduling your blood work or supplementing for your health needs, the beautiful part is the community at MSW and How Do You Health, they will listen to you and help you figure out the best path for you. So go to howdoyouhealth.com and use code THRIVE15 for 15% off all products and services. What's up? My name is CJ Finley, and this is the Thrive on Life podcast. I started a brand called Thrive on Life to help other mission-based people, brands, and businesses thrive. Each week, we interview people on topics of business, health, relationships, mindset, and much more to help us thrive in all areas of life. If the messages in this podcast resonate with you, but you're still feeling a little bit stuck in actually implementing these ideas, I'd love to help you on a more personalized level or connect you with somebody that can. So please reach out. Also, if you've got a friend who you know could benefit from hearing this episode, please share the love with them. My goal is always to spread positive impact through the sharing of knowledge, and I would be honored if you could help me achieve this goal. Today's episode features Courtney Marie, a multi-passionate entrepreneur, designer, and podcaster. In less than 90 days time, Courtney was able to transform her life from a personal trainer and nutritionist into something she was more passionate about, becoming a full-time web designer. Today, she is the CEO of Courtney Marie & Co., a design agency that helps coaches and course creators stand out online. This way, they can attract their ideal clients with their desired branding and Kajabi websites. I love this conversation with Courtney because she emphasized the importance of stepping out of your comfort zone, investing in yourself and those around you, and being willing to learn from others who are doing what you wish to do. On top of that, she voiced a lot of amazing tips that I know you can utilize within your own life. So let's learn how we can design our life to thrive and give it up for Courtney Marie. What is up, Thrive Fam? CJ Finley here, back with another episode of the Thrive on Life podcast. It's Turn Up Tuesday, and I'm super excited for my guest today, Miss Courtney Marie. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here. It's awesome to have you in the building, and sorry for, it's taken a little bit to get started here today because I've been geeking out over your podcast <laughs> and what you're doing online, and I'm super excited to hopefully get some of those stories and golden nuggets uh, out for our audience. But before we kick into that, there was one thing when I was listening to your podcast that piqued my interest the most, and that was talking about how you love the fact of the ability for people to change their minds and allowing ourselves to change our minds. And I'd love for you to just tell a little bit of your story and how you've changed different career paths to get to where you are today, because I want to encourage other people out there to continue to change their minds and adapt to what the world is throwing at them and ultimately love their job and whatever they're doing on a daily day basis a little bit more. So I'll let you take it from here. Feel free to go wherever you want with it. (laughs) Well, how much time do you have? I'll keep it short, but overall, I changed my mind multiple times. And I, I love that you brought that up because 
there's a part of our ego that tells us, no, it's not okay to change your mind. We tie our identity to whatever we're doing. What's the first thing that you say to people? Hi, what do you do? We tie our ego to like what we do. So going into this, I got started in entrepreneurship in 2014 when I joined Advocare, network marketing company. I think that's a good place to start. Hey, I like MLMs. I think it was a great opportunity that really showed me what this environment could be, like be surrounded by people who wanted to constantly grow and just push past your comfort zone. Um, So that really started my journey. And then from there, I went to school for advertising and PR. And then I wanted to do fitness. I was junior, senior year in college. I'm like, this isn't for me. I don't know what to do. I love fitness. I love helping people. And so I decided to pursue personal training as a career. My family thought I was crazy. Like, what are you doing? Personal training. You don't make money in that. Like, that's a hobby. And I was like, well, I'm going to do it anyway. So I'm going to try this. I moved to California after college, pursue this for about two to three years. Loved it. Loved every aspect of it. One day I injured my back. (laughs) And if you are listening, if you're a personal trainer or fitness in general, and you get injured, you fall into depression very quickly. I fell into a place like, how am I supposed to help people when I can't help myself? And I think that passion started to slowly die. I started doing fitness online, and I really can't tie it back to a certain moment. But I was making money online and I knew that I needed to help supplement my income. And so I was like, okay, let me go try this nine to five thing. Online stuff is stressful. This is stressful. Let me go try nine to five. I went to Kajabi and I started working there full time. And I think six months in, I was like, again, this isn't for me. Like I'm not meant to be here. I just, I feel it in my gut and I just, that's kind of what I listen to. Um, and so I was like, well, shoot, if this isn't working, what am I supposed to do? What am I here for? And I had people telling me. So once people learned that I worked at Kajabi, I had people in the online space reach out like, hey, can you help me with my Kajabi? I'm like, well, sure. I need the extra income. Why not? Let me help you with the back end tech stuff, whatever. As time went on, this Kajabi side hustle that I didn't have planned, slowly started to take over my fitness. It was growing tremendously. And I had friends and coaches tell me like, Courtney, you need to go with this. Like you need to lean in and run with this. And I was like, nah, I'm good. I'm going to do fitness. Like I'm going to figure this out. And it wasn't until August, 2019 that I finally said, you know what? Let me just try this. What's the worst that can happen? I go back to fitness or I go back and find another job. Like in my opinion, I don't know if I should say this, but you can always find a job. You could always find another job. You should definitely say that. Yeah. (laughs) Because it's the truth. you, You go into the place and ask for a job. Like I don't think that's dead. Uh, If you want something, you make it happen. But I was like, okay, I'm gonna lean in to see where this goes. And the moment that I let go of my ego and my identity tied to fitness, my business skyrocketed. December 2019, I made more than what I was making at my full-time job. And it just every month, 
got bigger and bigger and bigger. And I was like, my business coach, I'm like, oh my God, is this a fluke? Like what's happening? I was just shocked the whole year. And seven months in, I hit my first six figures. And I was like, oh my God, like I'm, a, I'm an actual business owner now. This feels weird. And, you know, I haven't looked back. It's an awesome story. And I want to go way back to the beginning of that story (laughs) where you mentioned joining AdvoCare. Mm -hmm. One, I've never heard of it, but I know what MLMs are and I know that they get a bad rap. But one of the things I think that people don't really understand is that you can gain insights and valuable skills Mm -hmm. from anything and anyone. And I'd love for you to kind of describe how networking helped you along the path of being able to change your mind. It seems rather quickly, like you were leaning into your gut a lot of these different times that you were describing. How has your network and networking helped you do that with more confidence? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm more of an introvert the older I get, but I think I was more extroverted when I joined that group. And I just put myself out there. Like I wanted to learn from the best and I wanted to learn, how are you doing this? Like, I think the biggest thing that you can have in entrepreneurship is curiosity. If you don't have curiosity and you think you know everything, you don't and you're in for a rude awakening. And so I've always been a curious person and I I just love hearing people's story. How did you get to where you are today? What do I need to do to get to that place. And so one thing led to another, I just started making connections. And I think relationships play a huge part in growing a business and then also navigating entrepreneurship, right? It can be lonely, but just having that support system, whether it's in-person networking, networking or um, an MLM, I think they're still great companies. Like if that's what works for you, you do you. Like, don't let people drag you down. If you're making money, they're not paying your bills. So what's the point? And then like online friendships. I have a lot of online friends that get it. They just get entrepreneurship. And so I think you need networking and groups in different places to help you along your journey. 100% agree with that. And I said something to a guy in my men's group last night and it was along the lines of like, if you want the honey, go to the hive. Yeah. So a lot of people say they, they want the honey or they want to start a business or they want to start this next project. Or they want to lose weight. Or they want to lose weight if we're going back to the whole fitness <laughs> scene. But where's the hive? You need to surround yourself with an environment of people and books and courses, mentors, coaches that are going to help you not only get the honey, but build your own hive so that you have honey over and over and over again. And I'd love for you to describe a little bit. You mentioned coaches on your own podcast mm-hmm. and having a strong network of people that you look up to and, and learn from. Was that always in your nature or did someone pluck you out of thin air or were you looking for somebody? Because I think a lot of people, I always love learning where people found their mentors or their mm-hmm. coaches. I think we have this unfortunate culture of I'm going to do everything on my own Mm, and nobody can help me. And like you mentioned ego a couple times, but that's not the reality. The best entrepreneurs have people that they lean on in, in tough times. So Mm -hmm. if someone's listening here and they're thinking like, 
okay, I would really like to be around or coached up by a specific type of person, what would your advice be to them? Well, to answer your first question, like, was I always this way? I wasn't much of a school person. I was definitely more social. I wanted to drop out of college my first, like, my first freshman year. I was like, I don't know. This isn't for me. (laughs) What Um, made you want to drop out? I just didn't like school. I, you know, I called my parents one day. I'm like, guys, maybe I'll go to cosmetology school. (laughs) I really love hair. I was, I do, I will say I always had a drive to follow my passion versus do something that was safe and made me money. So I always had that factor, but yeah, no, I was like, maybe I'll try this thing. And what was your second question? Second question was how would somebody else go about either putting themselves in an environment to be coached up or finding a mentor or a coach? You mentioned it multiple times on some of the podcasts that I heard you speak on. What would somebody listening to this, how would they go about doing it? Because I remember like when I was a newbie entrepreneur, I didn't know what the hell I was doing and I didn't know whose advice to look for. And we still know what we're doing? No, (laughs) but I do know today in terms of people, I do know kind of how the the checks and balances of validating people. Like even you today, like I saw a couple pieces of your content. I listened to some of your podcasts and I was like, I need to have her in my studio and and chat with her because you're the real fucking deal. And like- Old me used to not really have that switch. So that's what I'm kind of looking for. Like, yeah, who, who, how would they, yeah, how would they go about looking for somebody or or finding that environment? I think you could go one or two ways. Once you surround yourself with the right community, you know, you start to learn from them and it starts to feel more natural to take that next step into investing in a coach. You have to figure it out on your own. And I would just say, if it's something that you truly want, you'll make it happen. And a coach is, think about it this way, like you pay to go to college. Oh my God, if I could have skipped those five years and invested 20 grand or what what do you spend, 50 grand on college? You know how many coaches that would get me today? (laughs) Um, So you pay to go to college. Why wouldn't you pay for a coach or an expert to help you skip a few years and excel to get to where you want to be. Sure, you can go the long route. Everything's online. You can do it on your own, but it could take you 10, 20 years. I'm not here for that. (laughs) I don't even know if I'll be here tomorrow. So, I mean, I always saw it like, yes, my first investment was $2,000 for Shalene Johnson's MIA Academy. That's kind of what That was my first like, oh my gosh, this is a lot. What did that feel like when you did that? Scary. Each investment has been scary. It doesn't get, you know, it doesn't change. Um, My second one was 5,000. My third one was 10,000. And each time it's like, oh my God, should I do this? Like, can I put this on credit cards, PayPal credit? PayPal credit is your best friend. (laughs) Let me just say that. Um, But it doesn't change. Like, your fear is still there and you just have to leap past that. And I knew that, okay, if I'm going to invest in this, I need to make this happen. It's what you get out of it or like what you put into it, you get out of it. So you could invest 10 grand and walk away with nothing, complain about it. Oh, this didn't do anything. Or you could walk away. Okay. I learned this. 
I learned this. I learned how to handle this situation. I learned how to set boundaries. There's always something that you can learn from every kind of coach. I love your tuition remark because it's such an interesting thing if we look at I coach up a lot of younger entrepreneurs and one of the questions I ask them is how much did you pay for your school? That's like the first thing because what I've realized is like people will go four years through school. Mm-hmm. The, the time, it's not even the money for me. It's the t- like yeah. it's the time. You went four years but then you become an entrepreneur and you want to be a millionaire after year one. Oh yeah. But you just, after four years, you're actually in debt. You didn't make any money from those four years but you were completely fine with those four years yeah so, because that's a social norm that i yeah. mean what do you do after high school oh i guess i'm going to college did you it's, know what you wanted well you actually had a background you knew what you wanted to do so thank you for throwing a question back at me i did not know what i wanted to do my dad was an engineer and my guidance counselor like i was good at math and science so they were like oh you're good at math oh, and science yeah. be an engineer and i didn't really resist that because so i'm 31 there was no instagram or like I didn't even have yeah. an iPhone or anything oh like that. There what was, was no that? YouTube. I forgot what life was like. Yeah. So like you kind of, unfortunately you were beholden to like the people around you, what mm-hmm. they were saying you should do. And I was always a rebel. I always like went against the grain and didn't do things the, the way that everyone said I should be doing them. So I had that in me and I was an entrepreneur at heart. Like I was doing the entrepreneurial things when I was a kid, babysitting, mowing the lawns, shoveling snow. I didn't know what entrepreneurship was though. Like in a a small town, New Jersey, they they don't teach you that. Um, And then, so I went into college and this is how I knew something was off. Like I purposely sat at the back of classes. I skipped classes. Me too. I didn't, I wasn't giving my all. So I was giving my all in the gym, on the sports field, intramurals, at Mm -hmm. my fraternity, all the like social things. I was given 120% to, but engineering like kind of took the back burner. Now to even pass, I had to study a lot on my own, but I didn't really feel a part of engineering and I didn't feel a part of the other side of my life. I never was all in on anything. And that's where once I got into my job, similar to you, I went into personal training. It was more so just to get my feet wet in entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. Um, But I knew right away, like this isn't what I'm going to do for my career. So yeah. To answer that question, that's what it was. But the whole tuition thing, I love that you brought that up because it's something that people need to hear. Like in entrepreneurship, you're literally paying tuition. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. So your first couple years, you're probably, some people make money in their first couple years, but you're yeah. investing, just like you're investing in that degree, you need to look at your business as you're investing in it. You mentioned something that I'd love for you to answer. You said skipping steps. Some mm-hmm. of these coaches and things you've went to will help you skip some stuff. What are some of the most valuable lessons that you have learned and were able to skip just because you broke the fear of investing and throwing that money down? Yeah, I would say the first one is how to find clients, right? We, I, that's your first thing that you need. I didn't know how to find clients. Like here I had Instagram, okay, I know how to do this. Second one would be how to create content that actually converts I think the content that I was putting out before was like motivational, inspirational with a fitness picture or, you know, the traditional. Um, But I joined a course that really broke down the, at the time it was seven types of content that you need to be putting out rotationally to inspire, convert, educate, and then share, like relate. 
basically. And sharing that then attracts people to you, starts conversations, gets you clients, like just the whole process of, oh, this is how you get clients and you convert them into a call or whatever that may be. I would say the next thing is solve a problem, right? I think there's a lot of people that go into entrepreneurship. I want to write a book. Okay, that's great. We've worked with clients that come to us. I want this and this and this. I want to be like Tony Robbins, have this website. And I'm like, okay, that's great. That's the end goal. But if your goal is to make money, a book will not make you money right now. People write books when they've built a successful business and it's like a passion project or they want, I don't know what the goal would be for that or they want to share their story. It's not, I'm going to write a book that is going to make me millions of dollars. What's up, guys? I'd like to take a second to thank you for tuning into this episode with Courtney. I hope you're loving this conversation so far. But before we get back into it, I have an opportunity I want to tell you about. As we all know, life is hard. It can beat you down, have you feeling low, and make it seem like you are alone. I'm here to remind you, though, that the most worthwhile journeys, they are not meant to be taken alone. And right now, you have the ability to take action and join others, including myself, on the mission to make every heartbeat count. Head over to cjfinley.com and sign up for my daily newsletter, where I will be giving you information, impactful stories, tips and tricks, and access to a community who are focused on making an impact above and beyond themselves. You'll also have the perk of exclusive giveaways, potential shout outs, and possibly even some collaborations. The least that will happen is you will walk away into every day with an extra pep in your step. My promise is that I will always do my best to help you thrive on life. And this newsletter is one of the best ways for me to help you do so. So if you're looking to get to the next level of your life, connect with like-minded individuals and have a daily dose of info that will help you thrive, sign up for my newsletter at cjfinley.com. Now let's get back to the conversation with Courtney Marie. You're hitting the nail on the head, like understanding what your actual business is. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people will do all this work around what their actual business is. Yeah. So I love that you brought that up. Shiny object syndrome. Once you can get past that, two things in business. Once you put your blinders on and get comfortable with rejection, you will succeed. Like I think those are the two biggest struggles, rejection and then shiny object syndrome because it's real. I mean- What are are some of the shiny objects that you've kind of like dabbled in? I think when I was a fitness coach, it was like, oh my God, everyone's doing a membership. Maybe I should do a membership. And then I was like, wait, that doesn't make sense because I would have to sell a product for $20, $30 and get thousands of people when I could flip that and do high ticket coaching for $1,500 and only get five to 10 people. So it just depends on what your goal is. If you just want to do this for fun and you have all the time in the world, start a membership. But if you want to make money fast and need to pay the bills, high ticket coaching, I mean, that was a great first step into the online space. So much value right there. <laughs> yeah. the, the biggest thing is just knowing what you want. Yeah. At the end of the day, that's what I'm, that I'm pretty much what I'm hearing and coaching and other people will actually help you understand more of what you want. It sounds yeah. counterintuitive, but I guess- Like going to a therapist. Yeah. Well, I believe in going to a therapy, but they help you. Just that other perspective helps you get more clarity. 
So you're mentioning clarity. What was the time that, because you seem super clear now, looking back on the journey, it's, okay, I went to school. I kind of had these characteristics within myself. I knew I wanted to kind of like work for myself. I tried the personal training route. Then I went the nine to five route. Now I'm running my own business, multiple six-figure business. Mm -hmm. What were some of like the toughest moments of these decisions that you were having to make looking back? Because I think a lot of people that are listening, myself included, when we hear these stories, it's like, oh, it seems so clear. But then once it gets into our own life, it's just like mud. Like, where do I go? Yeah, I think a couple of moments that I can think of was, I guess, in fitness when I was doing that. Like, I wasn't very clear on what that looked like for me, where this was going to take me. And then also- So you had no long-term vision with that? Not really. Like, I, I thought I did, but I was just kind of in the moment like, well, everyone else is doing this. Like, I've talked to other entrepreneurs and they've said the same thing that have pivoted from fitness to like coaching, like business coaching. Well, a lot of people were doing fitness coaching that seemed like the thing to do, you know, so why not try it? Um, I think that was another point. And then pivoting, really deciding if I should pivot or not, because I didn't see the end picture. If I can't see the end picture, I'm just like, I don't really know what I'm doing. Once I see the end picture, I'll figure the rest out. That's how my brain works. Like I can see, you know, I'm going to grow the agency. I'm good. Like this is going good. I'm going to grow my passive income. Like I'm set. Like this is the path for me. There was a moment where I almost gave it all up. I wasn't in the best place. I also wasn't surrounded in the best environment. And I truly questioned if I was cut out for this. I think growing up, I had an insecurity of like, am I smart enough? Like, I don't know. I'm good at a lot of things, but am I great at one thing? And I think that just carried into entrepreneurship of like, am I really cut out to do this? I see everyone else succeeding. What am I missing? So like, I think comparison is another huge struggle that entrepreneurs struggle with because it took me counting the dabbling years, uh, four years to really see that return on putting the work in. And then some people, you know, they succeed in three, six months. Oh, I made six figures in six months. Well, you don't know their background Mm, story. Exactly. They could have just came from a corporate job where they've been doing that. And then they decided, hey, I'm going to do this on my own. And I have the network. All you need is a problem or a solution for a problem and you're good to go. But people who don't have a big audience, it's going to take you time. And so you just got to stick it out. I hope that answered your question. No, it does. I love all of it. And it's, again, going back to the whole tuition in college. Like, I quit my corporate job five years ago in January. So January 2nd, 2017. Wow. And I just feel like I'm getting my legs. Like, it's been five years. Do you ever think, like, gosh, if I didn't go to college, I could have started this earlier? I know everything, time is, everything happens for a reason. It's like you see all these 25-year-olds running a... The thing is, I didn't have the... Like, I'm I'm a very... I'm a data guy. Yeah. So, if I'm looking at data and I look back, I would have made the same decision I made back then because I didn't have Instagram. I didn't have the data that I have now to showcase 
oh, now I understand. Yeah. I also think because I didn't have those tools, I'm actually better than some of the younger entrepreneurs I see because I'm not afraid to cold call. I'm not afraid yeah, to like that's a good point. run events. Like I can, I've run hundred person events and it's just like the gift of the gab is something that I had to create for myself because there was no DMing somebody. Mm-hmm. I couldn't shoot my shot through DM. I had to show up to an event, wait after the event, <laughs> shake the guy's hand. And then that also taught me like that you're going to get a kick out of this. So some of the social media tactics that I used used to teach coaches was a lot of coaches and personal trainers, they have the gift of a gab as well. And the issue that they have is, I tell the story rather frequently, is if you're walking down the street and you see someone you want to grab coffee with, you don't scream at them across the street <laughs> like, hey, Courtney, let's go grab coffee. That would be really freaking weird, yeah. right? So, but in DMs, that's what people do. They literally oh my God, come in my DMs hey, girl. and be like, hey, can you meet this week? <laughs> and it's just like, that's not how this works. It's just like, there's a professional way to go up to that person. The first question you ask is, hey man, how are you? I haven't seen you in a little bit. Yeah. I like your shoes. Where'd you get them? Yeah. I like your shoes. Where'd you get them? I'd love to provide value to you. Here's why I think I can provide value to you in exchange, or I would be willing to pay you, whatever. Like that's what you would do in real life if you saw them. So teaching people that the social media side, like you have to bring the reality to it and you're going you're going to attract that customer or coach or that mentor even better. So I love that that you brought that up because when I look back, it is you can get in, stuck in that mindset of like, oh, I should have would have could have. My junior senior year, I was thinking about switching my major because I had just gotten I literally got a 10. Like I had a 35 and then I was trying to make this soccer team, join a fraternity and take like the hardest courses I've ever had to take. Yeah. And I got a one oh that semester. But that lesson taught me, just like it teaches me in in entrepreneurship, is okay, you bit off more than you can true. Some of the eggs dropped, but what stuck? Yeah. And then like doubled down. And then like the next semester I kept it moving and just like figure out, okay, what am I actually strong at? Where do what classes do I want to take? And that helped me get to where I'm at today, which is sitting here doing something I'm really great at. Yeah. Um, so I it's a tough question to ask, but I think if you were to ask the audience, I, my recommendation to them is like, look at your past and look what you can take from it in a good light. Mm-hmm. You can't go back. So how how would you change the future? That's how I yep. look at it. Now, knowing what I know with that data, it's just like it led to this conversation. It's mm-hmm. the gift of the gab. I met you in person and then I'm like, hey, <laughs> let's, and then we're like, let's do a podcast. Yeah, let's do a podcast. You have a great story and a lot of value. So let's flip it. I want to kind of ask some selfish questions that I know are going to help a lot of people. (laughs) By selfish, I mean more of like what you're hammering right now, which is websites. Yeah. So what is the number one thing that you've seen, the number one mistake that people are making with their websites? And I'm going to limit this to, let's not even say it's just businesses. Let's say it's coaches, personal trainers, people that are like trying to sell a product. What is a frequent mistake that you see all the making that is rather simple that they could be tweaking? Yeah, I'm going to give you two. One is not having your branding set in stone um, before you go to the website. Your branding is the foundation. um, And I'm not talking about your logo. Yeah, that's what I was about to ask you. What do you mean by branding? Yeah, yeah. Um, So to back it up, your brand to simply put is how other people feel about you. Think of it as your reputation. What do you want your reputation to be? And you have to start with brand strategy, which really simplified what do you do? 
Who do you help? How do you help them? What's the problem that you solve? Who's your target audience? You need to know that before you go into brand assets, which are your colors, the fun stuff that people love. Um, And I love that too, don't get me wrong. But you need to have that foundation before you go into the website because if you don't know who you're serving, what problem you solve, how are you going to write your website copy if you don't know who you're speaking to? And so that would be the first one. And then the second one is getting a website before you even need it. And this is like, I sometimes I question myself, like, I'm t- wait, I'm telling people they don't need a website, but I sell web design services. But it's simply just like, you don't need a website when you're first starting out or even to hit your first six figures. Like, I'm going to be real with you. You don't need a website. The moment you need a website is when you have that clarity, that proof of concept and that income coming in. And now you want to scale what's working. Wow. There's so many ways that I want to go with this, (laughs) but I'm going to stick to my own advice and go deep and narrow. How does somebody learn branding? If I'm like you and I went in personal training or I went to Kajabi and I have a nine to five Mm -hmm. and I'm starting my thing on the side and branding is super important and the true branding. And I love how you, you pointed that out. Um, it's how people feel about you when you're not in the room. Mm-hmm. What are they saying about you? How does somebody learn about that? Is there specific books, courses, or people that they should be looking up to, to learn from? Yeah. A couple of things. A coach is going to be your first one. Cause a good coach should be taking you through that. They should be taking you through your ideal client, your niche, like all the basics. A brand strategist will also help you dive into that. And then ideally you would work with a brand designer. They are two separate people. Some do both. Um, Like we only do brand design. We don't do the strategy piece. So we work with people who have already worked with a coach or a brand strategist before they get to us. And then books, podcasts. I mean, you can listen to my podcast, (laughs) shameless plug. Um, But another good book is A Brand Story by Donald Miller. That's a great book. I'm actually rereading it now. But yeah, it's just learning. Like it's all online. If you know how to, I have a freebie, like how to DIY your brand. There we go. Boom. Yeah. It's, it's perfect. Plug that. Yeah. In the show notes. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. And in your eyes, what time frame in someone's journey should they invest into their brand and how much money would that investment look like? Yeah. So when you're first starting out, I don't think that you need to invest in branding. Again, your first focus is income, money. You need to make money as a business. I know a lot of people go into it like, oh, like I feeling I'm like at the end of the day, this is one thing that I had to learn. I was like, I run a business. You need to take emotion and feelings out of it, especially when you bring on team members. That's a real struggle. Um, But at the end of the day, you run a business and your business needs to make money. That's the number one thing. So what activities do you need to do to drive revenue um, on a daily, weekly, monthly basis? And how to DIY your brand? Quick tips. Go on Pinterest. Again, this guide walks you through all this, but... um, the easiest way is pick a, pick five colors, five colors, three fonts, stick with it for six months, 
Don't be a brand changer. I don't know if you've done that, but like you change your I help statement. Oh, do not look at any of my branding or any of that because oh, I switch that shit all the time. I'm colorblind. <laughs> I'm one of the people that like, I told you, go against the grain. I'm like, fuck it. I don't need any of this. I'm just going to keep chugging along. Re- and the reality is I know I will eventually yeah. need it. Yeah. I just, I'm, I'm still plugging along and I don't know exactly what it looks like yet. And that's yeah. why I know how much I want to invest and how much I should invest. Um, in the future and it's going to be super dialed. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on here is I loved your answer on like in the beginning, it's about making money and figuring out what that target customer is and and what you want your business to even look like before you waste money on fonts and colors and, and all that stuff. And that's more of the, the fun stuff that you get to do after you have gotten some clients that can then you can reinvest into, okay, how do I scale? Cause in my eyes, what you're talking about is helpful with scale. Yep. So if you can't handle the scale yet, what's the point of investing? Exactly. And the thing that also happens is your target audience that you start out with usually isn't the target audience that you continue with. So that's where I say it's a really good point to brand or rebrand, if you want to call it, to invest in branding. So like I'll take ours, for example, we started helping beginner entrepreneurs build their Kajabi websites. That's That was a niche that I went for and I got really well known for Kajabi websites. And once we've established that, I think it was like a year, year and a half later, we got to a point where I wanted to start targeting higher level entrepreneurs, six, seven figure earners. Well, this pink, black, you know, branding over here wasn't going to attract the new target audience that we wanted to bring in. And so we pivoted to, I'll just give you an example, more high-end luxe colors Mm. like browns, blacks, um, more neutrals that can really represent warmth, welcoming, trustworthy, and also higher like a luxury feeling because your colors say something. Like when you look at the color red, what do you feel? When you look at the color green, what do you feel? Blue, a lot of spas are blues and greens for a reason. A lot of food places are greens, reds, and yellow for a reason. They're not just picking random colors. And I could go more into that. Um, But I think the time that you're ready to invest is when you want to take it up a notch when you want to build that credibility and authority piece in your business and be like, I'm a legit business. (laughs) Like I want to scale what I'm doing. Hell yeah. Love that advice. And it's funny, you mentioned the green in the the room. So the last podcast studio was black and it had feel your passion. So aesthetically, and then we had green from the flowers and plants. Um, and for content, it looked really great, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't warm enough. Like it wasn't like for that specific, like a one minute piece of content looked amazing. But for a podcast, I wanted to like liven it up a little bit and make it and be like, make it, even if it's just plain, like it is this room, it's like a little bit more warm and inviting. So it's cool that you mentioned that. And it's something that I've been trying to lean more into. Cause as you Mm -hmm. see, like I'm wearing (laughs) black and gray and I always wear black and gray and that tends to then show off in my branding on online and I need to like but I want to touch change on that. that a little bit. I want to touch on that because I think a lot of people can get into it thinking like, oh, I need to wear blazers and like look <laughs> professional. And there's a lot of people that that's good. Um, but I'll give you an example. Like that is not me. I'm wearing leggings, uh, vans and a sweatshirt. And this is who I am. And mm. I think a big part of personal branding 
just show up as you. If you wear black t-shirts and shorts, you're that's who you are and you're going to attract the right type of people with that. The last thing that you want to do for a personal brand is show up as someone you're not because when someone meets you in person, that's the worst that could happen. Like, it's, oh, you're not who I follow online. It's crazy you mentioned this because like when I was in the corporate world, like I didn't have my sleeve and I wore, I, oh. like my last job was literally I wore a suit, and, suit every single day. Yeah. Like, and I was in Houston driving a Lexus to and from work and to my clients and I literally hated myself. Ugh. Every morning, though, going back to the personal training, like 6 to 8 a.m., I was training clients, and 6 to 8 p.m., I was training clients. The best part of my days, and I'm not even a morning person. I don't even like waking up at 6 a.m., Yeah. Um, but I noticed that that was the best part of my day, and I was like, hmm, what? why is this? And it's just like, well, I like wearing a T-shirt every yeah. day. I like wearing shorts every day. And then I'm like, if I think all the way back, it was like my personal brand as an athlete. Like my whole life, mm -hmm. I was wearing shorts and T-shirts, and like to school, like on picture day, my pictures look terrible because I didn't want, I didn't even want to be there. Like I just wanted to wear like my track suit. So, yeah. but uh, look at who that, you attract. Yeah. I mean, I've looked at kind of your network. They work out interested in the same things. Yep. You naturally just attracted them. I, I love that. And it's something I think that's out of anything you've been listening to up this point, the authenticity and, and leaning into your true self is something that I like to talk about a lot on here. So mm -hmm. I'm glad that that you hit home on that. I'd love to shift gears a little bit. You mentioned hiring. And I know what it's like to go from like, okay, you're a solopreneur to, oh shit, things are starting to work. <laughs> Maybe I'm going to get an intern. Maybe I'm going to get a VA. Maybe I actually have a full-time employee. How did you navigate that? How did you navigate going from just you to somebody else? And what were some of the biggest mistakes that you think you made in the beginning that you have conquered? Yeah, this is a good question. I made a lot of mistakes. Um, hiring before you're ready. I hired a bunch of VAs and then I would get frustrated because they weren't doing the work that I needed them to do or wasn't getting the results. But in reality, that reflects on you as a business owner. You know, I was like, gosh, well, why can't they just do what I hired them to do? But I didn't know enough about the specific task to be able to train them and help them grow in that role and also know what KPIs to track or how do I know if they're doing a good job? And so I think that's the first thing, hiring before you're ready. I do think there's certain experts that you can bring in if you don't know. But as a business owner, in my opinion, you need to know a little bit about everything so you can manage are things getting done? Is it taking too long to do this? What's going on? Pay-wise, hours, all of that details. My next would be hiring based off of skill and not personality because I hired someone who was really good to help us with web design and things worked out fine. It was just, it wasn't the culture that I wanted to create for the agency. And I look back to all the jobs that I had. I didn't have all the skill set, but they hired based off of my personality and my drive to learn. And I think that's who I want to bring on now, looking back, because you can always teach someone skill. You can always train them. You can always develop them, help them grow with your company. And then last thing is what I mentioned earlier, taking feelings out of it. At the end of the day, you run a business and you need to take 
some feelings out of it when making certain decisions. I've worked on this a lot, but people pleasing, very hard to get out of that people pleasing. Well, I don't want to upset their feelings. I'm like, wait a minute, this is my business. What? And so I think just taking the emotions out of it, that was a huge one too. Have you ever read the book Hard Thing About Hard Things? No, I haven't. Read that book. They talk about like laying off whole floors of people. Oh my god. And gosh. stuff like that. See, so I that would gave feel me so bad. I'm like, oh my God, they don't have a job. Like yeah. I think it's important to have empathy, but there's a good balance. It talks it really talks about like how you go about doing that. Yeah. So, like in in a empathetic way. Yeah. A good example is like hiring for friendship goes wrong. Um, so one of the things I like to do like when I get interns is like throw them in the fire. Mm-hmm. So I'm like during the internship, I task them with hiring people. Um, oh so like whether it's a VA or whether it's a friend or it's like, hey, we have some, we have $300 extra this month. You're managing this person. Go do it. And one of our interns hired a friend and then like that friend wasn't cut out for what we had them to do. Yeah. He was spending more time like massaging the relationship and like mm. making sure that person felt okay than like the work actually getting done. Yeah. So we realized two things real quick. It's just like be very careful when you hire friends. Yeah. And then two, make sure you're crystal clear on like the expectations of that role and can that person fit that. And I made him like – I loved on your podcast you mentioned hire slow, fire fast. I taught him a lesson where he's like, let's hire her like now. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, let's do it. In my head, I'm just like, this is not going to go <laughs> go well because we didn't good. vet. Yeah. So then I was like, you got to fire her fast, bro. Like you literally had to just pick up the phone and say, hey, we're going to pay you for the next month Yeah. so that you can go find another gig that pays you 300 or whatever we were paying that person at the time. Because it's, I taught him it's like more about how. Now you got to eat that yeah. money because that person, you promised them something and like it's your brand that's on the line. So when they leave this company, whether you fire them or, or let them go or however, are they going to talk badly of you? Like yeah. in the beginning of a brand, you can't afford that. So own your decisions. I love how you said that. And then mm-hmm. be empathetic towards that and grit your teeth and say, you know what? Like- it's my fault, but yeah. here's what I'm going to do about this. Um, and it's so just I love like, that if it's not a good fit, it's not a good fit. Like I've had to fire clients. Uh, that's uncomfortable, mm. but you save yourself in the long run. And it's just like you work together and you find out that you're not a good fit. That happens. That's going to happen. And I'm glad that you mentioned um, expectations because that would be another thing. Make sure if when you're hiring, you have clear systems um, and expectations for that specific role. Easy way to do this, go look on Indeed or other companies' job descriptions, and that will help you form a job description for the role that you're hiring. That's what I did. I was like, oh no, like let me go look what other people are putting on job applications. I'm like, okay, this is what I'm looking for. Here's expectations and so forth. Like get crystal clear. What should someone's first hire look like? This is a vague, broad question. So you're like, you were building websites, Mm -hmm. but generally, what do you think is a good first hire? Yeah. So the easiest way to do this is to write out all the tasks that you do on a daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly basis. And then you can go through that list and kind of mark out, there's many different ways to do this, but mark down what things can you automate through a process system software? What things can you hire, like outsource? Maybe it's someone checking your email. 
what things drain you, what things give you energy. Um, like, do you love talking to people? Uh, and then what things drive revenue in your business? Because more than likely, you're the one that's going to need to do those things. Whereas like maybe you hire a VA to simply help you with emails, if you have a podcast, um, like all the little things to help give you more time to generate income. That's probably what I would say. At first, you need to focus on the things that are making the money. If I were to go back, that's probably what I would do. Sounds like you should make a template for this. It sounds templatable. Yeah. And I think it would be really valuable because if I'm going back over the years, like some of the questions that I get the most are around hiring and where should they invest. Yeah. And I think it's it's something that beginning of entrepreneurship, you're you're so lost on like what you should do and where you should be going <laughs> that like the pressure to bring somebody else on is almost like, well, if I don't know what I'm doing, yeah. how am I supposed to pretend like I know what I'm doing to then hire this person to help me when I don't even know what I'm doing? But at the end of the day, hiring that person, I would say, regardless of what stage you're at, is a good learning lesson because you're when I look at entrepreneurship, you're going to have to do it anyway. Yeah. So it's just like, you might as well jump into the deep end of the pool and learn. And uh, yeah, that's how I've kind of gone about it. And then for me, it's like, I've scaled up and then I'm just like, man, I don't even like managing these people or these processes. Like time to pivot. Yeah. That was one rude awakening. Like I didn't sign up to be a manager. What? A babysitter. You're a glorified babysitter. That's really what it comes down to. And a leader. Like I, I learned, like, I don't know how to be a leader to like help them grow and all this stuff. Um, but you just you to learn as you go. Yeah. And that, that you learn that about yourself. Like I love leading, like I was captains of my teams, but it was different in business because I like freedom. Like yeah. I got, and this is what you'll learn if you're listening, like the changing the mind things. I thought I wanted to build a big company. Yeah. And then I started realizing that like to build a big company, like you have to spend a lot of time grooming. Because 10 people can do way more than I myself can do. Yeah. So you're going to have to groom one person and then groom 10, two people, then four, then eight, and so on and so forth. And I was like, okay, how can I stay lean and mean? And going back Same. to the four-hour work week type of model where it's create the system so that God bless my, my podcast team. I love y'all. Shout out to Joe and Jake. Like I barely talk to them. And that's on purpose. Like yeah. They have their own lives. They're mainly introverted. They like doing their thing. And like we yeah. talk once a week on Trello and like, that's it. And shit gets done. Yep. And I'm like, wow, this feels way better than like jumping on a call every day or my morning when I was at my sales job, we had an 8am or a standup oh, like meeting a every day. And I was like, this is so stupid. Like, yeah. I hate this. But then I would start trying to build it like that way. Yeah. So today I would love to ask you like where you're at with your business right now. Like how many people do you have working with you and what are your future goals? Yeah, I'm glad you said that. Um, going back to that, just because someone does it one way doesn't mean you have to do it that way. I did that too. I was like, well, everyone else is doing daily meetings. Like, like, wait, this is wasting all of our time. So we actually do like weekly 30-minute meeting, check-in, and we're good to go. But as far as like how many people we have, so we currently have, let's see, I got to count one, two, three, four, there's five of us. Um, so it's me, my project manager, junior designer, podcast editor, and then we just hired on a lead gen VA. I was at seven people. I, I like to share this because I think it's important. I scaled really fast and I felt my business was dragging me. 
And so I, at one point I had seven people and I was like, oh my God, like, I don't want this. This is too many, too much going on. So what can I do to lean out the system or the company in itself, but still get to where we want to be? And an easy solution is to raise your prices. And that's exactly what we did. So like business is trial and error. (laughs) You're constantly figuring out what works, what doesn't. But as far as like where we're going with the agency, I want to grow the agency to a point where, I mean, it's honestly where it's at, like where it's at right now. I'm loving it. <laughs> I, I'm That's able so to, great. I'm able to take time off. Like my mom was sick with cancer last year and I was able to fully be there for her. And I wouldn't have been able to do that at a nine to five or the first year in my business. And so God just true the timing of everything. Like it just, it just worked out exactly the way it was supposed to be. As far as like other things that I, my goals is to really grow my passive income. Passive income is where it's at. Uh, to really grow my template shop. That's one of my passions as well as a podcast. Grow the podcast, grow the template shop. I can sit there all day in design templates. <laughs> People look at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> I get it. Like there's certain things that I could like this podcast for me and yeah. like designing content for that. I literally could sit there all day and do it. And I'm I'm trying to get to the point where like that is where majority of my time is yeah. sitting. And I'm sorry to hear that about your, your oh, mom. Oh, she's doing great. Um, she's killing it. Awesome. Because uh, cancer hits home and in my life and one of the reasons that I became an entrepreneur was because of cancer and other other issues within the family. So it's it's one of those things that your purpose really starts to show itself. It does. When when things start to succeed and you have the the ability to really free up your time and spend it in the way that you really want to spend it. Before we get to our wrap up questions, I have one last question because I think this is another a great question for people starting. Like when you're starting and you're a solopreneur, you're you're doing a little bit of a lot. Mm-hmm. And then as you start growing, you start learning really what it is you're really good at and what are you willing to show up and do every single day and what doesn't feel like resistance to you. So yeah. today, what is your role within everything? You mentioned templates and, and podcasting, but in terms of your agency on a daily, day-to-day basis, what is your wheelhouse? Like what's my zone of genius? Mm-hmm. It's a better way of saying it. Okay. okay. Thank you. I mean, I would still say it's design. I love designing. I was, I mean, I don't think I could fully take myself out of the fulfillment part. I just love it too much. But I would say design first and then also being able to understand both sides from our standpoint, like when designing a website, being able to understand from the client perspective and then also their client's perspective, making it easier, like I easy user experience like just including it all like a I don't I don't know like just a common knowledge of like this put together will make it easy for your clients to come here to contact you to go through this lead process and lean out your system so I would say design and whatever a word for that is I love that we're getting close to wrapping up One thing I always like to do on podcasts like this is hopefully get somebody that could utilize their services connected with you. Who is your target customer today? Because you mentioned it's kind of pivoted around, but who would be a perfect client for you? 
Yeah. So it would be female entrepreneurs, mostly like online coaches, six, seven figure earners who really want to up level their branding, like do a rebrand and really create a brand that aligns with them and also converts for their audience. I love it. And how do they get in contact with you? What is the best method? Uh, you can go to Instagram, CourtneyMarie.me, or just go to our website, CourtneyMarieCo.com. Awesome. I highly recommend you reach out to Courtney. This conversation has been extremely inspiring and motivating. And even before we hopped on here, I, like I said earlier on the podcast, I was kind of geeking out because <laughs> like, I'm a sucker for simplicity, like yeah. keeping things simple and your, and your content, your websites, and just being here on the podcast, you keep your answers simple and to the point. And I appreciate that. I think there's an art in that and I value your time very much so. So thank you for joining us today. The last question I always ask everybody oh is <laughs> simple. Take a second here to think about it. But what when I say the word thriving, what does that mean to you? Ooh, I feel like I'm thriving this year. Um, thriving to me feels like freedom. I would say when everything is in alignment and you're operating out of a healthy state and you're just like high on life. I don't know. That's honestly how I felt this last year, like moving from California to Austin. Like I just feel everything is in alignment and we are thriving. <laughs> I love that response. High on life. Yeah. <laughs> without without actually being high. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> you don't need that. Yeah, that is it. I mean, I feel the same way. I actually I stopped drinking and smoking. It's been 6 months and awesome. I literally every day is is a joy and I feel just high on just this. Yeah. So, thank you again for showing up at the end of every episode. I kind of lean into what was my biggest takeaway and I think just from hearing you speak it's really understanding who you are and what you're driven by. And I think this is something that no matter how old or young you are, this is a difficulty we all have because life is always changing and there's always different problems. And I think the faster you can adapt and go with your gut, like you had mentioned prior on this podcast, the better your life is going to turn out and you're going to feel high on life because there is no right or wrong really in life outside of like doing illegal things that <laughs> we all know people shouldn't do morally. So if there's no right or wrong, you got to do what feels right to you. So if it's like making a ton of money, mm -hmm. you got to find a path that gets you that. Or if it's leaning into, you know what, I don't need to grow this business to be millions of dollars and tons of stress. I just want it to give me freedom. Yes. That looks like a different way. So leaning into what that is all, all depends on knowing yourself. And this was a really good conversation for me to kind of take that and reflect on that as I hop off here. And if you were listening to this, again, please reach out to Courtney. She's awesome. And if you could do me one little favor, and that's share this podcast with somebody that either is looking to start a podcast because Courtney has a badass one as herself. And if somebody is looking to build their own website, go to her website. What is it again? CourtneyMarieCo.com. Perfect. Super original. Go there. <laughs> tell her I sent you. And as always, thrive on. This is CJ Finley. What's up, y'all? This is CJ again. And on behalf of the small team here at Thrive on Life, I'd like to thank you for listening to one of our episodes. Our mission in life is to help people like you fuel your passion and make every heartbeat count. 
and we realize the best way to do this is together as a team. So we'd love for you to join in on this mission and connect with like-minded individuals within our Thrive on Life community. To do so, please head to thriveonlife.com and connect with us there. We'd love to chat with you. Before I sign off, I'd like you to always remember one thing. When we strive together, we thrive together. So please do your part in helping others thrive on life.